So this is the story of the withering fig tree. Okay? And it may not seem to have any application to your life at face value, but I want to walk through with four questions. Here they are. Here they are. Here they are. They're not there. Can you help me, Karen? It's not coming. Okay. Nope, that's not the four questions. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, we're going to read a lot. There it is. There are the four questions. What does it say? Thank you very much. What does it say? What does it mean? What does it say about God? And what does it mean to us? Those are the four questions we're going to answer by reading this passage. We have to read it. We have to read a lot. There's 25 verses. So let's get started. What does it say? Now, there's the triumphal entry. That's the little headings. This is the ESV. They're the little headings that are put on it. But this is one contiguous story. And I want you to keep that in mind. A lot of times we like to segment things out and just read the little segmented passages. But in this case, it's one continual story. Now, when they, Jesus and his disciples, drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and to Bethany, At the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away, and they found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches, what they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and were followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Now, this seems like a, a side note, but it's actually really important. And then he, Jesus, entered Jerusalem and went into the temple And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the ESV writers put a new section in. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing in distance a fig tree and leaf, and he went to it to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat from fruit from you again. And the disciples heard it. And then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And when he was teaching them and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all of the crowd was astonished at his teaching. When the evening came, he went out of the city. And then they came back in the morning. They're passing by in the morning, and they saw a fig tree withered away at the fig tree withered away at its root. And Peter remembered, and he said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. So how does Jesus respond? Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he has said, says, will come to pass, and it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. 
And whenever you stand praying, forgive, you have anything against anyone so that your father also, also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. Kind of an odd response, actually. Hey, look, the fig tree, it's dead. Response, have faith and pray and forgive. What's that about? Let's recap the story. Jesus starts a trip in Bethany and Bethphage with his disciples. Jesus is honored and acknowledged by the people as the coming king and Messiah on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus enters Jerusalem, looks around with consideration, and returns to Bethany. Jesus repeats the journey, and this time he sees a fig tree with leaves with no figs. He curses the fig tree. He re-enters Jerusalem, drives out the money changers, overturns the tables, and teaches them by saying, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus leaves Jerusalem, passing the fig tree that Peter points out has, is dead. Jesus responds that you must have faith and forgive others, which comes through the mode of prayer. Okay, that's the short recap, the short story. Okay, now we're going to look at it one more way. Let's look at it through the geographical method of which Jesus tells the story. Jesus is, I just want to say, Jesus is awesome. He's telling the story also through his physical footsteps. He starts in Bethany and Bethpage, goes to the temple in Jerusalem, returns to Bethany, goes back to the temple, returns to Bethany. Okay? Bethany means house of dates. And Bethphage, I, I messed up. Bethphage means house of figs. And when he returns to the temple, he calls the temple my house. And in a parallel passage in John chapter 2, he refers to it as my father's house. Remember, he went there first, he looks around, and he makes a mental note, and it's, obviously, it's obvious that he's disgusted by what he sees. He sees no good fruit. He sees hypocrisy, extortion, selfishness. It may look good on the outside, his father's house, but he's looking for genuine honor and praise and connection with his father. There's no fruit. Okay, so that's what it says. What does this mean? In springtime, you would find that most trees in Israel are covered with these little green figs, and they're kind of bitter, and poor people walk along and they eat them. And you can just grab a few as you're walking along if you're hungry. The fact that the tree has no figs, but is in complete, has complete foliage with the leaves, is a sign that it should have had figs. So in fact, this tree is an imposter. No figs, no, no ripe figs, no green figs. Because the tree didn't have fruit that it should have, Jesus curses it. That tree was living in hypocrisy. Here's a little background. What does this mean? I'm not going to read through all of these. But Israel is described as a tree through the entire Old Testament. God's vineyard tree or planting, the first fruits of the harvest belong to God. Israel must yield spiritual fruit as his covenant people. A lack of fruitfulness is a sign of rebellion. God inspects Israel for early figs in Micah and Jeremiah and Hosea, but he finds no, 
he finds no first ripe fig that my soul desires. And then in the two exiles, God pours out his curse of barrenness and Israel becomes a rotten fig. God promises one day to replant Israel and produce healthy figs again. And as a matter of fact, the fig tree is the emblem of the Judean nation. So in the first century, Israel or Judah was associated with the fig tree. And that line of David leading up to it is associated with a fig tree. And Jesus, earlier in his previous teachings, he calls God's people to produce spiritual fruit. This is the backdrop of this event. Jesus has set up the juxtaposition between a house of fruitfulness and in the current house of God. He knows what he's doing in every moment that he's taking, in every movement. Jesus had a purpose. He's illustrating geographically the difference between the house of fruitfulness and his father's house that has become barren and fruitless. And so he curses the fig tree that has no fruit. He's symbolically doing that. And this is really interesting because in all of his other miracles, Jesus, all of Jesus' miracles are restorative. He restores people. He brings them to health. He brings them to life. This is the one miracle that's destructive. What is the fig tree? It's Jerusalem and the temple. It's the temple where the spirit of God dwells. There's no fruit. What are you doing in my father's house? It's supposed to be a house of fruit, of blessing, of abundance, and yet it has become a den of robbers. And so, Jesus pours out his divine judgment via two sign acts the act of cursing the temple, and the metaphor of cursing the tree. Okay? What does this say about God? I believe that he has three big intentions when he's doing this teaching. The first we just talked about, divine judgment on Jerusalem because of unfruitfulness. But the second intention, and I'll show you what I mean by this, is the transfer of his spirit from one house to another. You'll notice that in verse 17, he calls the temple my house. And in the parallel passage in John, he calls it my father's house. But if we jump ahead to Matthew chapter 24, the last time that Jesus visits the temple in Jerusalem, he speaks over the temple and he says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often... Would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing? See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want to point out two words. Your house. You notice how before he calls it my house and my father's house. And at the very end, right before the last time he sees the temple, he calls it your house. This is your house. I transfer away from my father's house, and now it's yours. I remove my spirit from this house, and I turn my back on you. I remove my presence. I transfer my spirit to a different house. Would anyone like to guess what that house is? That's you. That's really cool. Okay, that's really cool. Us, 
the church. The entire New Testament is a comprehensive look at ascribing us, the church, as his house. And there's no better way than Hebrews chapter 3, when he says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That we are his house. You know when we sing the song, There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. Yeah, you know it. Okay, that's it. we're not like walking into a building. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Who's the house? What's the house of the Lord? That's us. There's joy in us. We are the house of the Lord. Okay? So, that's his second big intention. His third one is, he's going to find those who will bear fruit. When the disciples notice the withered tree, Jesus immediately begins teaching them. Okay, like I said, kind of a weird statement, but here's what he says. Have faith in God. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is Jesus's way of answering the question, how do I bear fruit? We bear fruit through connectedness with God in faith. God's intention, bearing fruit, travels through the conduit of prayer and forgiveness. His intention for you, the house, is to bear fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." God expects us to bear fruit. And again, the entire New Testament is comprehensive in the language of bearing good fruit, which comes out as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not an expectation, just an expectation. It's a mandate, a mandate that God's people, his house, who contain his spirit, that we bear spiritual fruit. All of these verses in here, that we bear spiritual fruit. And the mandate has intensified from the Old Testament times into the New Testament times. So what happens if we don't bear fruit? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. I like it. That it may bear fruit more fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. What does that mean for us? What does it mean for me? Let's go, back. Let's go back to this screen. Our action point is to carry out this mandate. Bear fruit by being connected with him in faith. And we primarily do that through, according to Jesus, the modes 
of prayer and forgiveness. We can have the false pretenses of being like the fig tree. Lots of showy leaves, no fruit. Pretending to be something we're not, going through the motions of looking good, being showy on the outside, pretend holiness. And it's one thing to lack fruit out of season, but it's another to lack fruit while you're pretending you have it. So that's his warning to us. We bear fruit through intimacy with God, through prayer and forgiveness. We bear fruit through prayer and forgiveness because he has transferred his spirit from one house to another. And that's the lesson of the withering fig tree. Okay, I'm done. But we're going to do something different. Something very unusual, something unusual that we normally do. We're going to exercise our spiritual muscles. John, would you come back up here? John is going to minister to us, and he's going to play his guitar while we're praying. Prayer can be hard because we get distracted, we don't feel like it, or we especially expose ourselves to God and to others, which can feel really vulnerable and uncomfortable. But just like exercising, we don't actually, I don't actually want to go to the gym or go for a walk or stretch. But in the end, I know that it's for my benefit, and we end up being built up and we grow from the experience. This is how God tells us that we bear fruit, by connecting with God through others. Okay, I want to show you, some of you, this is old hat for you. You know about this. But I want to talk a little bit about one type of prayer. It's from James chapter 5. So Joshua Barbagello, I don't know if any of you know what's going on with him, but Joshua over the last several years has had trouble with his legs and his feet. A couple years ago, his arches collapsed, and it caused his legs, what do you say, his tendons to not work, his knees and his tendons to not work. He had an accident when he was 15, and things just haven't gone well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call Joshua up here, and I'm going to call the other elders, Jason and JR. Jason, would you grab that stool? And we're going to put Joshua right up here, and we're going to do this according to James 5. Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Do you notice what he does there? He commits it with prayer, faith, and forgiveness. So, when we anoint him with oil, it's kind of like a, it's a consecration type thing. We're setting it aside. It's symbolic to bless him. And we're going to believe in faith. Would you pray along with us for Joshua? We are going to believe in faith that God is going to restore his legs and his feet. Would you pray with us, please? And however you want to pray, if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you want to raise your hand out toward Joshua, God, we ask 
in faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, restore Joshua's legs and feet. It's been a hard road. And Lord, we bless him. We thank you for him and the gift that he is to our community, to our youth. And we count him as a friend and a brother. Lord, completely restore his legs. We're believing in faith. We're believing in faith. We're believing in faith, God, that you will restore him completely, Lord. Lord, that his arches would come back, that his tendons would come back, that his knees would come back, that, Lord, he would be able to walk without assistance, without a cane, without a wheelchair, Lord. I pray that you would bless him. God, in your power, in your name, in the name of Jesus. And even, even as we're praying now, I, I just feel led to pray for, for Joshua's heart and mind as well. God, that you would be filling him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would be guiding Joshua in the journey of life that you've had him on. Lord, you have, you've been raising him up. We've seen the servant heart that he has and his desire for your kingdom and for good things. And Lord, we see that he is one of your sons, one of your children who's called out upon you and made you the Lord of his life. And Father, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move in power in his heart and in his mind, Lord, bringing about healing to his soul, Lord, refreshing and restoration. God, you are, you, like John said this morning in worship, your mercy is new every morning. Lord, we need your mercy. Every single one of us in this room needs your mercy. And God, Joshua needs it too. And God, we pray that you would have mercy upon his body. Lord, by, by speaking a word of healing over him now. Lord, we come to you in your name. Not because, as we've learned in recent weeks, not because those are magic words, but because we are adopted by you and coming in an authority that's different than our own. We have lots of reasons to doubt ourselves, but we have no reason to doubt you. And so, Father, we pray now that you would move in healing over Joshua's body. Lord, that there would be great celebrations in the days ahead. Lord, that we would hear great words of testimony of your power at work in his life in every way. We thank you, Lord, that You're the king of all kings, meaning you are the Lord of all creation, over all things, having all authority and power. And we pray that you would bless Joshua today with healing in Jesus' name. Yeah, God, and even as Joshua is symbolic of each one of us sitting here, in this room today, God. He has a physical need that we're all praying for as his church family. God, we all have needs. God, I lift up the needs of each person in this room. God, what they have going on in their life, what their physical need is. God, how they may be having headaches, dealing with migraines or with back problems or walking problems themselves or psychological or mental problems or issues. God, we call upon you. It's not, it's not what we can just get from you for our own benefit, God, but for your kingdom. and God, for the redemption and the restoration that you want in our lives. God, the way you want things to work here on earth, just as they are in heaven. God, we welcome your work in each one of us, just as we welcome it in Josh. And we call upon your mercy. We call upon it for our family and our church family and our individual needs. We're a family, and God, we extend our hands and our hearts to one another, and we say, God, heal us and restore your people 
We are your children and we want you to be our God. You are our God. It's you we call upon. It's you that we worship and it's you that we want to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joshua. So some of you may be thinking, well, why, why Joshua? Well, what about me or my family? Well, that stuff, this is available to you all the time. God's power is available to you. So what I want to do is I want to pray just generally. We're going to pray together. And this is kind of a a loose time. We're going to take like the next 10 minutes. Whatever you want to do, if you feel like you need to stand up and go lay your hands on someone and pray for them, I invite you to do that. If you feel like you need to go and ask someone, what what should I be asking for God in faith? What do you see in me? Do that. If you feel like you need to go and ask someone to forgive you, I'd like you to do that as well. If you want to stay in your seat and pray with me, I want you to do that. But what we're going to do is just take some time and pray for a bunch of people, a bunch of things, and we're going to be bearing fruit through prayer and forgiveness. Thank you, playing, John. Take some time. Think about this. Think about, think about how you want to pray. I'm just going to take 30 seconds. It's quiet. If you want to pray out loud, I welcome you to do that. If you want to stand, kneel, sit, lay down, this is an opportunity for you to connect with God. Like I said before, sometimes it feels uncomfortable, but we have to do it even if we don't feel like it. It's a command from Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you for the Lord Jesus and his work on the cross. The Lord, you're the reason that we're here today. We serve you as our king, our master, our savior, because you humbled yourself and gave up your life for us. We don't want to take that for granted. We praise you, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for the work that you've done. God, I pray for the unity of our people. That we would come together and bless one another together in our community. That we would not feel ashamed or embarrassed or hesitant to go ask others to pray for us. Or if, Lord, would you give us each a word? Open our eyes to see the needs of others. 
God, I know there are so many needs out here. God, we just ask you, we ask you, Lord, that you would open our eyes and that you would unify us. And in so doing, Lord, that we would turn our eyes outward to our community and see those outside who are hurting just in this, in this community together. Lord, I know that there have been so many things happening in our country with anger and bitterness. Lord, those who are hurting over the abortion issue, God, would you help us to step in and to be healers and to be little saviors, little Christians, little Christs, which is what Christian means. God, we want to step in and bless others and to be resources for mothers and children and to point them to healing and to be available. And Lord, I know that there are those who are struggling with identity down on the gulch yesterday, that they have turned to different identities to find purpose and meaning. God, we know that purpose and meaning only comes through you. We ask, God, that you would help us to be kind and loving and humble to point others to this Lord Jesus. And for the persecuted church across the world, Lord, God, thank you for the story that we heard this morning in our prayer huddle about the church in Liberia who has an opportunity to minister to children who have been neglected and abused and taught to be killers. God, I pray that you would embolden and empower this church to reach out to these children and adults who have been so warped that they would turn and bless you and call you their king and become warriors for your kingdom. And all of those who are hurting across the nation, and throughout the world that are facing persecution, God, I just pray that your spirit would come and comfort them. You are the God of all comfort. And the people in Ukraine who are facing death and destruction, Lord, would the church rally around our brothers and sisters in the country of Ukraine? And Lord, would you put an end to the war? We ask that in the name of your son, Jesus. And I look around the room, God, I just, I know that there are people that are hurting here physically, that are suffering, that need prayer. I'm just going to pray right now for Joelle Quigley. She is really struggling with some digestive issues and she's, she's, she's at the hospital right now. Is she? No, she's not, but she, she's, she's getting testing done. She's really struggling. Lord, I just pray that you would help the doctors find something going on with whatever's going on with her, Lord. Would you just bless her and lift her up? Lord, that you would heal her digestive and her stomach issues and her intestines, whatever's going on inside of her. Lord, would you just completely lay your hands on her and bless, bless her? God, and I just praise you. I thank you for the hues. And I see this new little one coming. 
And I'm so grateful for the healing and restoration in April and Jeremiah's life that you've brought them together and new life formed and a new family. God, I bless the Hughes and I thank you for this little one that is coming. And I pray that you would put your hand on this little one's life. They would praise you with their lips. God, I just pray for a safe delivery for them that you would be glorified in their life. Thank you for all of these new faces that have come over the recent years. And I bless them, Lord. Thank you for Corey Swanson, that he's serving our country in the Middle East. God, I just pray that you would bless him. And just, would you be glorified in his life as he leads his team of men? And I thank you for his wife and his kids and that, They're here holding down the fort. I just pray that you would just bless them and give them comfort and peace as they wait for a day of reunite. Give us opportunities to serve. Open our eyes to see, Lord. Open our eyes to see around us. Just help us to look around and see the needs of others. Mm. To turn to stop. It's not being self-focused, God. But rather, God, would you help us to turn and see the other's needs. Soften our hearts, Lord, to forgive. Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? What names come to your mind that we need to forgive? Whether it's done directly or indirectly to us, is there hurts in the past that you are harboring toward a church that may have hurt you or leaders to begin the process of healing and to let that go? God, bind our hearts together in community. Fill us with purpose. Fill us with vision. Fill us with meaning, God. Help us to walk with you. May we place our identities in you. And in all of this, Lord Jesus, would you just be glorified? Would you be blessed? Would you be lifted up? What are you asking for God in faith? What are you asking for God in faith? And who do you need to forgive? And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a couple more things I want to say. That's okay. He's trying to, he's trying to, he's, we, got, we, got, we got stage creep going up here. I feel like it's like the Oscars. I have a minute. Okay. Or maybe more. I just want to share with you opportunities for you to pray. There are lots of opportunities, not just what we just did in this 15 minutes, okay? Number one, we have a prayer team. And after every church service, we offer a team of people up here to my left and your right. You can go and ask somebody, you know, it's, it's kind of awkward sometimes to just, hey, could you pray for me? I'm really struggling with this, or I need prayer for this. This team of people is there for that very purpose, for you to come up to them and say, I need you to pray with me. Will you pray with me, please? And they will do it. After every church service, every single one, okay? Two, um, 
I welcome you to join us at 9.30 every morning before the service. I know it's tough to get out of bed, but some of you are first service people anyway. You can get here at 9.30. We meet right here. We invite you to come and join uh, the people that serve serve you on the First Impressions team, in the Children's Church, on the worship team. We come together and we pray together. We do it every single Sunday, half an hour before the church service starts. Come and join us, and we'll pray together. We, we want a big group of people. We would love to have you come. Join us 9.30 every morning. And then we have our prayer team has on our website, mounthelena.org. You can find the prayer link and you can submit a prayer request online, and a team of people will go around, and they will pray for you. That's available for you as well. There's lots of opportunities. Hey, after the service, before the service, keep your eyes open, and you're looking around, and let God speak to you and say, Oh, Hannah, may I pray for you? What's the worst they can say? No. <laughs> All right. I got, I got six kids. I'm used to people telling me no. Okay? So those are great opportunities for you, and there's many, many others. Sound good? That's it. We did it. All right, you do, please don't clap for me. That's weird. Okay? Come on up here, Jason. No.